Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Dear Black Girl. And today our guest is Selena Hill. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Now, I'm going to give you guys a quick rundown. Selena is the, hold on, I screenshot it. There we go. <laughs> the editor of Black Enterprise, um, the founder of Be Heard Radio, a TV reporter for What's Eating, how do you say, Hurl? Um, Harlem. Harlem. Oh, Harlem. Okay. What's Eating Harlem um, and a HuffPost contributor. Yes. How do you like manage to do all that in a regular day's basis? That's a lot. Oh, I don't do all that in one day. Okay. There is no way possible <laughs> um, doing all that in one day. Um, so, yeah, so the podcast that we record, we record that live in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM. So that's every Sunday. So that's a weekly thing. So <laughs> once a week, right? And then. Like, the TV show is really sporadic. Um, okay. Like, you know, I book the interviews around my schedule. And I work at Black Enterprise full-time from 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., Monday mm-hmm. through Friday. So, it balances out some way, somehow. Where there's a will, there's a way, I would say. So, how did you get into entertainment? Yeah. So, um, you know, I went to school um, at SUNY Westbury. I graduated with a degree in media and communications. And um, it was, you know journalism and media is my passion so right after college I took a full-time internship (laughs) 60 hours a week no pay Monday through Friday and I worked retail on the weekends for three months and then after that was done I took another internship at WOR before it was brought out um on AM station and you know that eventually turned into like a news desk position and assistant producer and then you know it was still like just part time Mm -hmm. so I had to move on um and then eventually I was gonna go to J school so I was like all right let me take the GRE (laughs) but I fell asleep taking the test wait while you were taking the test you fell asleep how I just think my heart wasn't into it. Like, I just literally could not finish that test. Oh, wow. And I was just like, I can't do it. Like, J school is not for me. Um, And I didn't want to work for a piece of paper. I wanted to work for money. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember, like, maybe a few months or a few weeks later, I ended up going to a career fair. And I finally got hired, um, like, a full-time position, I think. Or maybe it was a part-time that turned into a full-time position at Envy Magazine. And I started freelancing for the Amsterdam News. So, you know, that's Wait, you said for what magazine? And the stands for New Vision Business. Yep, at the time. So I did that for like two years. And then I started working for Global Grind for a few months. And then another media publication was an independent startup for like three years. Mm -hmm. And because it wasn't really as time consuming, like I was working remotely, that's what really gave me the time to put a lot of like energy into the radio podcast, right? And into the TV show. That's when I picked up the TV show because I started doing the social media. And then eventually that led to, you know, doing on-camera appearances. So it was a blessing in disguise. And then, you know, I started working at um, Black Enterprise after three years. 
and I started freelancing and then I was the associate digital editor and then I became the digital editor. So your story is kind of like everyone else's in writing where this is a hustle and bustle. Yes. <laughs> so yes, you get to that full time exactly. gig. Yep, yep. Well, first of all, congratulations, because a lot of people don't make it to the full time gig part. Thank which you, is, Unique. I appreciate that. Which is really hard. It, <laughs> like, it is. It took a long time. Like, I didn't get a full time position in media until I was like 28. Okay, and you started interning when you got out. <laughs> oh, shit. 21. You know, okay, you know how amazing that makes me feel as well as, like, trust me, there's a lot of people. That's amazing because, yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It is very, like, I tell, like, mentees and, like, students, people younger than me that, like, like media, entertainment, journalism, like, these industries are all about the hustle and bustle and just staying committed and just finding your way. I know a lot of friends, like more than one person I know didn't get a full-time gig in media until they were 28, including mm-hmm. Corey Murray, who's one of the editors at Essence. I remember going to her panel discussion years back and she was like, yeah, I didn't get my full-time job in media. Um, I didn't become like the entertainment editor until I was 28. And then I had another friend who graduated from NYU with a degree in media communications. Ugh. She didn't get a full-time job until 28. And then I was just like, and I was hearing this when I was like 21, 22. <laughs> and like, it didn't resonate with me until I, it literally happened to me. You had to experience that. Yes. I was like 28. <laughs> Seriously. No, that's amazing because I, I was talking to like this one kid, his name's Chris. And I asked him like, are you still writing? He was like, no, I stopped writing for other publications because no one was trying to hire me. So I'm like working on my own stuff. And I was like, that's going to be a... You're going to run into that for a while (laughs) until you get that person that takes a chance because it's hard. It is very, very hard. I mean, the industry is changing so much. Um, You know, a lot of traditional media platforms are shrinking or Mm -hmm. dying out completely. Like, you know, so, you know, everybody's just doing things online and they're just starting their own platforms and they're figuring out a way to monetize it and either getting um, brought out by bigger companies or partnering with bigger companies. But, you know, I think the independent route is definitely something I would say to do if you haven't found that full-time gig yet. So what kept you going? Because a lot of people, they'll just like, you know what, quit and not keep going and struggling to get to that comfortable space. Like, not solid, but comfortable space. What kept you going? Um, I would just say prayer. Like, <laughs> it was so depressing at times. Like, especially for that three-year span when mm-hmm. I was at this independent startup company and I did not really want to be there especially not leaving like global grind and then i'm just like not even into you know doing the same type of work so i really just had to pray a lot i had to practice like humility and patience and i really had to find the blessings in that moment and some of those blessings happen to be like i said just focusing more on what is my passion like my radio show slash podcast where we talk about politics and social issues like two of my biggest passions and then um working on the tv show and it just so happened that the main anchor of the show at that time had been a family friend so she was like very fond of me and she was the one who was like you should be a correspondent on my show (laughs) and i was just like what you know so it it was like and i and i could not have really done that if i was full-time like i'm a black enterprise Mm -hmm. there's no way i could have balanced it because a full-time gig like 
it is full time. Like, that is your energy. That is like eight hours of your life. I mean, it's nonstop. Like, I don't have downtime. Like, if I want to get anything done on the side, I have to wait until after business hours when I'm like tired and drained already. So, you know, it's just about finding the blessings because once you get to that next level, you have a next level of problems as well. So appreciate the now. So let's talk about your five guys. What made you want to start it? So we it started off as a radio show mm-hmm. that I started in college. Shout out again, SUNY Ho <laughs> And um, you know, it was successful there. We had fun and you know, after I graduated, I took a one year hiatus and then um I was like, you know what, I don't somebody like people were encouraging me to restart it. So like friends, they were like, You should do it again. So I was like, All right. Let me just start it over. So I started doing it. And then I had one of my um, original engineers come back. And he was like, yo, let's really do this. Like, let's go hard. Like, I'm just like, all right. So I was like, let's do it. So we started doing it. We relaunched it in like 2012. Um, eventually, we moved to WHCR, 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we've been there for like six years. And like my radio host, like his name is Stanley Fritz. He's a, my co-host and the engineer of the show. And he's been on podcasting since before it was popular. Like he was pushing me like Selena, like we got to get in this podcasting lane. And I'm like, all right, but we're already on the FM station. Like, you know, I was like, <laughs> like why? Why do the digital route when we're on terrestrial? Exactly. I was like, we're already on a bigger platform. But he was really pushing podcasting. And then, you know, the podcasting industry just exploded. And I was like, all right, so, you know, let's go harder with promoting this as a podcast because it's both. It's a, you know, we record it as a radio show live. And you upload it. As a podcast. So that's how it started. Okay. So (laughs) let's get into your song, song number five. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) All right. So I'm trying to think of one for, like, the transition for, um, like, after I finally got, like, my job in uh, Black Enterprise because... It was, it was like, it was a big moment for me because, like I said, it was like the first time I'm working full time in media and like getting paid for it um, after freelancing for six months too for Black Enterprise. And then it turned into something. Um, I would say, hmm, I would say Kirk Franklin, I Smile, all right, came out in like 2011. Mm-hmm. I think during that period, I was. Definitely 2011. I was like, definitely not where I wanted to be, but I had to continue to like put a smile on my face and keep pushing and keep just looking for that brighter light. You had to stay positive. Stay positive. That's what I had to do. So I would say like, I smile was a good one um, because like it was it came out in 2011, but I think like it really hit in like 2012. And um, we started really doing, like, the radio show at that time again. And, you know, so I, w- I would say that because it was, like, positive. But I was still like, oh, I want to be so much further. So that that's one of the songs. How hard would you say it is to stay positive when you're just, your whole world just seems like it's chaotic <laughs> and not <laughs> what you want it to be? <laughs> it's hard. It is very, very hard. I mean... I don't, you have to find your source of strength, right? I can only, like, testify for what mine is. Like, obviously, like, you know, I'm a big believer in faith and, like, just, like, just prayer. 
because I really do think prayer changes things, even mm-hmm. your mindset. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just hopeful. And I just really had to trust God and just say, like, you know what? This is not where I want to be, but I'm on my way. So you have to just keep pushing and do some stress relief, okay? <laughs> like, right? Like, breathe in and breathe out. Take it one day at a time. And I think another thing is focusing on the blessings in your life is really important. The positive, those small victories. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on that because if you don't, you'll get so caught up in the glass being half empty and what you didn't do and what you didn't accomplish. Meanwhile, it's like, but look how far you were compared to one year ago or five years ago, you know? It's so amazing to like when you have to stop and look back at where you started and where you and then where you're currently at. Cause I don't think people no, people really never see that progression. It's just like I'm stuck. Everyone always sees that I am stuck. <laughs> and it takes another person to say no, or the little whole Facebook, hey, five years ago. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what was one of those moments where you realized that, hey, I've come a long way. Um, I think it was that was like a a, a mindset, right? That I had to actually put myself in that mindset to actually appreciate where I came from. Um, it was in that that three year period where I was again working at that startup because I started in like 2013 and then I worked till 2016. So I had to like literally like force myself <laughs> to think about where I was before and where I was now. Mm-hmm. And I think that I guess one pivotal moment was in 2014 when I actually became like a correspondent on the show and it was around my birthday so I had like this big like TV debut and like type of party type thing and then like I was literally on the show for like 30 seconds <laughs> like, <laughs> but I was like hey I want TV <laughs> yeah so th- that was a big moment that was yeah November 2014 so what other big moments did you say have happened within your career for you Okay, and I'm coming with songs with them too. <laughs> um, I feel like um, again, like getting hired full time for um, Black Enterprise that happened October in 2016, literally six months after I started um, researching, and I was so scared I wasn't going to get hired. I was going to other interviews because I thought like once I stopped freelancing, you know, my contract was going to end and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get hired. But thank God that you know someone had just left. So I filled that position. Like, the timing... Like, you know how they say God's timing is impeccable? Yes. Like, literally, like... The universe was there for you. Yes. Seriously. Because my contract ended on a Friday. I started working that Monday full-time for Black Enterprise. Oh, wow. No, like, literally. Like, <laughs> like, literally, I started April 1st, 2016, mm-hmm. freelancing. I started working full-time October 1st, 2016. Literally six months. Oh, wow. Six months after that, April... 2017 i was the i had a promotion to the digital editor it's literally six months all right so song number four (laughs) okay so song number four um let me think maybe 2016 lemonade had just dropped remember oh (laughs) i actually remember that day because i dropped around that time so i like it's let me just i'm something on that oh i remember the day that dropped i think i was I was super drunk from <laughs> brunch at Sons of Essence because I was at Ain't Too Proud of the Brunch with my coworkers. Uh-huh. And then we went to someone's house that lives like 
over there on West Fourth, uh-huh. and I think we all passed out. And someone woke up like, "Yo, Beyonce, HBO, who has HBO?" <laughs> oh and we're just God. looking for live streams, and we're half drunk watching Lemonade. Like, oh my God, yeah, I remember that day vividly. <laughs> we all have vivid, a vivid memory of Lemonade, right? Yes. Okay, so I would say um, Formation. Mm-hmm. Because when Beyonce just hit that track and she was just like, I slay, I slay. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was just talking about how she works hard and she wants to own and how she's slaying. And I think around that time period, that's when I was, like, finally coming into my own. And those words from the soundtrack really resonated with me. So I would pick Formation. Okay. Um, so where were you when you first saw the video? Yeah, where were you? I was in the car, I think. <laughs> watching on your phone <laughs> on a road trip back from north carolina back to dc about to come back to new york yeah i was in a car oh my god um <laughs> i was at my best friend's boyfriend's house and he had it on and i was just <laughs> like yo like you know that when lemonade dropped that movie like it just changed the game it changed lives like i remember i got deep into it we did like, a full <laughs> podcast on it like everyone else i wrote a full think piece about it i actually won an award for it from the new york association of black journalists so like it was that was life-changing that is oh my goodness look at beyonce out here inspiring yeah. people <laughs> i was inspired like i want this i wrote this like 2000 word think piece like really yes it was called um the witch hunt is over black women already know who becky with the good hair is <laughs> theory and thesis about how in that line um, Beyonce was actually talking about colorism so I just went deep okay (laughs) oh wait okay so give us a taste of it (laughs) if you remember because I know this was like a a long time ago so what I was saying is that when she was like um, Becky with the good hair she was really saying that okay let's break so I broke it down I was like first of all Becky Becky is another word for white women when they give oral sex, right? They say mm-hmm. that Becky. So I broke that down, and then I was like, good hair. And we know in the black community, there's this stigma of the straighter your hair is, um, the prettier, prettier it is. Are, yeah. The prettier your hair is, right? So what I was saying is not only did Beyonce, was she hurt because he was cheating, but I was saying he was cheating on her with a either lighter skinned woman or a more whiter looking woman, which is an extra slap in the face because, you know, like to me, like, you know, Beyonce is authentic underneath that wig. Underneath that <laughs> Beyonce, you know, B, B is black. Yeah. And it, it just makes it worse. I think sometimes because, you know, black women, we already struggle with, colorism in our community you know so you know we have that that theory that stereotype that light is right and that the whiter you look the better you are so sometimes i think that because of that complex that we have to struggle with and even me as a brown skin woman like i know that i'm not you know as beautifully black as lupita but i'm also not as light as you know gina from martin or something like that and i've had that like within my family because my mother has like light skin and crazy eyes right and a lot of my family members are like that and i have people literally look at me like yo you came out dark like you came out real black and i'm like um hi my name is selena yes like literally i've had that like instances like that so i guess i was just speaking from like a personal experience of of struggling with being the darker skin or the brown girl 
in certain situations where everyone was lighter. Like, I've had guy friends tell me that, Selena, if you're in a group of girls, I'm going to holler at that light-skinned girl. Really? (laughs) Because she's lighter. And I'm just like, so I grew up with, like, just hearing different stigmas. And, you know, so I kind of felt like, hmm, if my guy left me for a Becky with the good hair, I'll be mad. Like, that would make it even worse. So, I don't know. I just wrote about it. That That's crazy that you said that because, like, all right, so for me, it was reverse because um, everyone in my family majority is dark-skinned. So, I would get picked on oh my God. and I would, be called, I would get called the white girl in the family because, like, I was super bright. <laughs> really guys <laughs> oh my god it was just like clearly i'm black right what stop with this I, dark skin versus light skin and i don't and i know that's like all from like the whole william lynch era but i don't i don't understand why it still happens because i i hear people have conversations about it and i get people have preferences but there's a difference between having a preference and having a prejudice against someone because of something that's uncontrollable and now i think that we have more representation like we see black women who are light or who are dark who are in the middle but i feel like you know back in the day we didn't always have that representation Mm -mm. it was like either or you know so i think that now we can appreciate all shades of beauty so being cats well yeah cast out like that because of colorism how did that affect you growing up it um it definitely affected me like i probably would need to go to therapy to really unroot <laughs> all of it um <laughs> because it, it's not something that i spend a lot of time thinking about but it is something that it'll hit me like now and then every now and again i'll like realize like okay I'm the darkest person here. Like, for instance, I went to Puerto Rico with my family members. The lightest ones of my family members, like, all of them, super, super high yellow, beautiful, light eyes, everything. Light hair, you know, long hair, everything. And we moved to Puerto Rico. Everybody was very light, too, even lighter than them. And I literally told my mother, and I was like, I'm the blackie on the trip. And, like, she was just like, Selena, like, why would you say that? And I was like, that's how I feel. Like, it was literally, like, I'm surrounded. Because everybody was a person of color. Mm-hmm. I literally felt like the darkest person there all the time. And, you know, this was back in 2012, like, 2013. So those that was one of the moments where I just felt like my complexion was I just was like really cognizant of my c- complexion and I mean I've also been told by family members stay out the sun you know you like growing up like you don't need to get any darker or don't bring home no black no super black dude you know what I'm saying so Are just, you yes like so hearing all of this growing up and then I'm like Every, all y'all are lighter than me anyway <laughs> like so that affects yeah, you yeah that that will definitely have a major effect on you I feel like that's why some people might bleach their skin or do all this extra stuff to like come off acceptable right which right. is which is why self-love is super important to instilling kids absolutely that's why i'm a huge advocate of self-love and just loving melanin like your melanin loving your complexion you know i've definitely grown to love myself even more and embrace myself and accept myself um regardless of other people's opinions whether they're good or bad so you know it's a process, but I think it is we're a all process. Song number three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta pick another moment. Okay, um, I'm gonna tell you the moment, and you gotta help me think of the song because I'm I'm forgetting it right now. But so when we back, this is also 2016 again. We had submitted the radio show for an award with the um, New York Press Club, 
and we actually won an award um, for best commentary. We did a full segment on reparations. The question was, is it time to pay back reparations? Mm -hmm. And we had got Larry Elder, who's a veteran radio host, to call in, and he was fully against it. He's conservative. And Stanley, again, my co-host engineer, he just went in. Like, he literally, like, they were going at it so much on the radio. Stanley literally had to leave the room. Like, he was so angry. It's like, I felt like I saw tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And he had to get up and leave. And it was so much passion in that show, in that segment. It won us an award, thank God. And um, that was the first and probably only award that I've won in my career thus far that I shared with my team. And it just felt so good because we've been doing that radio show slash podcast up until that point, probably like eight years, if you count the college years too. Mm-hmm. And to finally have that recognition. I mean, we had so many shows where no one called in. No one was listening. You know, if they were, we couldn't tell because we couldn't really monitor um, like the frequency and like the ratings at that time. Um, so it just felt like nobody's really listening. And what are we doing this for? Like we've had so many of those moments. And then to finally be recognized, it was one of the biggest lessons that we all shared together. So the song, <laughs> I'm a pick for that moment. Okay, it's a song about, it's okay, obviously it's a hip-hop song, it's a rap song. And it talks about being in a team. It's like, it's something with my team. Oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, that is so vain. I know, but no, but I'm like, I remember it because... Wasn't French Montana somebody like they kept talking about being like just bigging up their team. And uh-huh. I remember saying like, oh, like I remember just that moment and thinking about my team. OK, I'm going to find a song. Right yeah, now. I'm, I'm hoping you Google right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is that song? It's you said like, French Montana was on it? it? It felt like it felt like that type of. Um, was it a Drake song? Maybe it was a. Oh, was it, it was a Drake song. Yes, it was a Drake song. Because <laughs> that song sounds about like his team. Yes. Oh, uh, hold the song on. About his team. I'm, That's the song. Give me a second. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. um, he ain't dropped mad songs during this time. Right, but he's always talking about his team. So I would pick for that moment. Started from the bottom. Now we here because we literally started from the bottom in college. And now it was like our moment, like, all right, we here. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, winning that award with the team, it was really show, like, all right, we here. We winning. We doing this. I'm not going to lie. All that research just messed my follow-up question. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I'm I have sorry. to think. Um, okay, so what made you kick off the show in college? Um... I think, like, one of my professors had asked me, like, oh, so, you know, um, you should do a radio show for the first-year program. And I came up with this whole big concept. And they were like, oh, this is different from what we envisioned originally. They were like, you know what? Just take that and run with it. And I did. So um, I put, like, a team together. It was, like, a team of six of us at the time. Um, I put, like, an advertisement in the school. And I was like, <laughs> who wants to be part of the team? And it was, like, a lot of us. And we had, like, a two-hour show at the station and um we just took it from there and i think um well one of the premise of the show was to focus on student issues Mm -hmm. that weren't coming to light whether that was horrible food poison like horrible food from the cafeteria and i remember this one girl was had food poisoning and she literally called up our show wow 
let your voice be heard. And she was like, I need to let my voice be heard. I've just been poisoned by the cab. So we did that. Like, we did stuff like that. We did student protests. We did any controversy that was on campus. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. And we would get, like, both sides of the debate. And it was fun. Oh, I wish we had that at St. John's. Because we definitely <laughs> oh, you did not. St. John's? Mm-hmm. Nice. We definitely did not have that on our radio show. I don't even think anybody really tuned in to the radio show because we had like a whole tv program and radio show and i don't think anyone knew about it until like recently because mm, it just took off like i think it just recently took off like three years ago before that we had like this gossip ball called i want to say johnny thunderbird or johnny storm whatever but think of like a shade room and ball alert wow but just focus on your campus no <laughs> Everything is going wrong with that scenario. Oh, no. It got to a point where, um, oh, people stopped wanting to party and do anything because no one wanted, I think the website was called Johnny Thunderbird. Oh, my God. No, is that our mascot? (laughs) Okay, I don't remember, but it was, it was something. It was like a play on a, it was a play on words with the school. It was like, I'll never forget. It was like a, um, a blog spot website and they had pictures. They had receipts before receipts became a thing. Oh my <laughs> and it was just like, he said, she's, and if you wanted to know what happened, who was creeping with who, who was seen where, it was all this blog spot and no one knew, no one knew who ran this website. They still oh don't know God. who ran this website. Really? It got, it got so crazy to the point where the school found out and just like sent out threats to shut it down wow yeah they threatened the website yeah they was like yo if we find out who did this then um you're gonna get expelled from camp it's like it was it was that crazy wow and then four years later no not four years later graduated 2011 i don't know maybe like six years later ball alert (laughs) and all don't come out Right, and, and I was like, takes this to the next level. Yeah, we didn't have that, but we did have a controversy online when we were having problems with the student government, mm-hmm. and like an insider decided to leak the information and put it on Wikipedia. <gasps> like they put all the tea on Wiki, and we couldn't figure out who it was. And I remember the insider came on my show at the time, and he was like, "It was me." <laughs> You were the one putting up on this controversy because it, it was too much. Like, you know, student government trying to keep things together. I guess he was going to the meetings, figuring out who was arguing, who was fighting. And he was just putting it all on the SUNY O. Westbury Wikipedia page. Are you serious? And he confessed, like, um, months later. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, I was like, so I'm guessing that everybody basically <laughs> had some crazy tea that took place back in college. Everybody has some tea. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I thought it was just, oh, my God. Yeah, I hated those. I hated just that era because that was a scary era. Because <laughs> right? it's like, it was, it was so scary because, like, yo, how do y'all know this? <laughs> Where y'all getting these pictures from? How do y'all? And then, like, everything be true. Wow. <laughs> and that was the even more scary part. Like, everything was true. It was just, like, exposing. They were exposing everybody. everybody. Oh, my God. I would be petrified. Like, yo, 19 <laughs> years old. Like, I don't need my business out there. <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh my god song number two <laughs> girl so okay girl song number two I went to Barbados 
for Crop Over 2017. Wait, what's Crop Over? Crop Over is their carnival. Mm-hmm. So you know how Trinidad has the big carnival in Jamaica. So every year, Barbadians or Bayesians, whatever you want to call them, um, shout out to them. They celebrate carnival and they call it crop over and rihanna goes like almost every single year mm-hmm. so i went to crop over last year it was a press trip actually so i was still working you know it was a workcation okay <laughs> so people out there you know my company it was a, i was working so workcation and i fell in love with soka and one of the songs that they kept playing over and over it was like two of them they kept playing Crop over is a blessing, not a curse, right? I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna dance, and it was another one. Oh, split in the middle, make me. Uh, uh, I can't remember the words, but that I know I can't pick two songs, but maybe split in the middle. That would be the. I was like the highlight song of the entire trip. I met so many black journalists there because um, it was a group of us, like. Natasha Alford from The Griot. She's the deputy director. I met um, Tony Anderson from Complex. Um, AJ from GQ. My girl Noelle Walker from Claire Marie. And, like, I had so much fun with them. And, like, I really, really appreciated it. So, and we kept, that song just kept playing the whole time. Like, every, it was on, like, heavy rotation. We get in the car. We get in the van. That's mm-hmm. the song. We um jumping in the road. That's the song. <laughs> that, that, that was the song. So, split in the middle. Split in the middle. So I know my accent is horrible. Sorry. So, what's the difference between um, Carnival in the Caribbean and Carnival in New York? Because I don't know. <laughs> I'm not Caribbean, so I don't know. Girl, I'm not Caribbean either. Hence, the reason why that my accent sounds horrible trying to, like, mimic it. Um... I'm a girl, I'm African American. Okay. Black, so forgive me, Bayesians, for messing up every um terms of the accent. But I would say I never really too much experience like took advantage of the carnival here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have like the big parade for Labor Day in Brooklyn, East New York. I did go to Juve one year. Oh, was, so did I. I was petrified. So was I, I thought I was gonna shoot a shot. <laughs> I don't I literally was, like, scared to walk down the streets. Like, I couldn't enjoy it because we hear so many horror stories about people getting killed and shot at Juve. Dozens of people. But I was like, I have to go just to knock it off my bucket list. Right. But I don't want to get shot. Right. (laughs) Girl. And I went anyway. (laughs) Right. Me too. And it was like, it's amazing because like, uh, if you've never been to Juve, just imagine just being out in the streets of Brooklyn, three o'clock in the morning, Mm -hmm. people, I don't know, like with all this white powder, mud Mm -hmm. and paint on them, just running around, throwing stuff at each other. And I'm just sitting there like, so where's the, how does the shootout happen at this? Right. But it'll be some person that runs into the person they had beef with in seventh grade and yeah they make eye contact and it's on and well thank thankfully because i didn't even know juve was that messy thankfully i did not get hit with mud paint (laughs) or because i stood to the side and just watched everything unfold Mm -hmm. but i was just like oh had i known this i would have definitely dressed for it right Right? i remember when we did the we did a juve at crop over and they were like wear your bummy sneakers and come and stuff that could get messed up. I was drenched in paint. I had my <laughs> hair everywhere. Like, I'm sorry. But, like, we had so much fun. But, like, I would say maybe the difference in Barbados and New York is you don't have to fear for your life. <laughs> I felt much freer in Barbados 
You know, I didn't like. I think Barbados is one of the safest islands in the Caribbean, anyway. Mm-hmm. And like, you're in Brooklyn at three o'clock at night. Like, I don't. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. It was. It's too much. And yeah, never went to. You've never been to Carnival, and because I know too much. Okay. <laughs> like, I like seriously. Like, okay. I like my cousin was like, yeah, girl, we went and we were running from the gunshots. Like seriously, I have family that go consecutively. Uh, not I me. think I did everything on one soup. Um, my mom said I went to Carnival when I was like little when we came up here to visit one time, but in college I went in one swoop. I did Juve, came by the campus, took a nap, and then went to Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm not gonna lie, it was super it was too much for me because first of all, I'm people grabbing on you all the time. As a woman, oh I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I just wanted to walk like I couldn't walk but without someone grabbing at me and wanted to like I don't know, like, I guess I just all went dance and grab, but, like, this is my second year in New York. I don't know what I'm getting into. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I'm ready to go. This is uncomfortable. But mm. now I get it, but nah. No, at, that's uncomfortable. At 19, I was like, oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to start spazzing because I don't want nobody to shoot me. <laughs> Right? <laughs> so it's like just keep pulling away and just trying to hold on to my friends and not get lost because at the same time it's overpacked and you can easily get lost. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't know your way around Brooklyn. <laughs> exactly. Like it's it's a lot going on to say the least. It's definitely a lot going on. So me and you in that same wave for that. All right. So what So what else about Barbados did you like? Um, Everything. The culture, the food, um. They're known for having the rum that invented rum. Um, so, you know, it was it was fun. Like, um, we had a chance to visit George Washington's house, the one he stayed at when he was in Barbados. And um, I think the story goes that he got really sick and he came to Barbados and that's where he, like, was healed. Not cured, but, like, that's where he, you know, like, found his strength and he came back to the U.S. and became president. So, you know, Barbados has a lot of history. It runs very deep and I will say that the people there are very kind, very friendly, very open. I had a chance to interview a lot of them at, like, you know, at the parties and stuff. They would still talk to me and they were like, you know, this time of year, we just come together. It's about fun, it's about community and it's about just connecting with one another. So, I loved it. Song number one. I know. Okay. Woo. So we got through four songs. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a song by India Irene. Um, I think it's off like our second album. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't mainstream, but I remember in the song she talks about how like this is when she she wrote this in her twenties and she was like I'm out here looking I'm looking at thirty and I have so much to say I even told my mama like I'm doing things my way and like it's just her coming into her own and I always love that song because it's empowering it's about self love and it's about being a woman and I was listening to it when I was in my early twenties and now that I'm thirty I can like literally relate to what she's saying. So all I got to do is get the title of it. (laughs) The song is called I Choose. And like I said, these lyrics to me are very powerful. Um, It goes, because you never know where life is going to take you and you can't change where you've been. But today I have the opportunity to choose. And 
in the song, she's like, you know, today I decided to let it all go. I'm dropping these bags. I'm making room for my joy. I'm going to be authentic. My past doesn't dictate who I am. And I'm released. She talks about releasing guilt and just moving forward. And the song is up tempo. It's not even like a depressing song. It's like it's like freedom. I love that song. <laughs> I choose by India Ari. So why did you? You said you understood them more when you hit your thirties. Why is that? Well, I would say I I hear it a little bit differently mm-hmm. now that I am thirty because. The reason why is because I feel it now. Before I was like, oh, okay, I'm listening to it. But I got to that point where it's like, you. not to say I don't want to take advice from other people or like my mom who's like my best friend and, you know, always giving me advice. But it's like, okay, let me live my life the way I want to on my terms. Let me be authentic. Let me be real. Let me, you know, because I feel like when you're in your 20s, it's a time of transition. It's a time of learning and growth and exploring. And I feel like now that I'm 30, I'm like, I have a better sense of self. You know, I know who I am now. And I really have like a stronger faith. And I trust that God is just putting me on a path of like success, you know, and just, I don't know. I just feel more confident, you know, and the song is about confidence. So that's it. <laughs> so what kind of woman would you define yourself as? Um, I would say that. Okay. I'm trying to sum it up. <laughs> as a woman, I'm definitely a God fearing woman. Like I put God ahead of my life. Um, Jesus Christ. Um, I would say that I'm outspoken, um, audacious, um, I I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, and I thank God for every platform that allows me to get that message across. I'm very purpose-driven. And I'm extremely intentional about a lot, like, basically every decision I make in my life. I don't have a lot of time. We None of us have a lot of time. So time is precious to me. So I don't waste it. And I know exactly what I want. And if something or somebody does not align, I'm good. I don't need it and I don't want it. What helped you learn these lessons? Because <laughs> those, deep, those are like things you learn from lessons in life. Right. Right. No, no, you're right. You're, it's, it's so, oh my God. Okay. Um, definitely my career path because it was shaky for seven years after graduating college so going through that shaky time that's definitely a testimony um different family issues you know I had to let certain things go like for instance like my father um love him to death always have always will but I had to really accept his lifestyle choices like you know there were times where he was really in you know my life when I was a little girl and then he had another daughter my half sister but I call her my sister and he was like really in her life and he just up and left and that hurts her and it hurts me too and what was hard about that situation was I had to look at my little sister Destiny and see the same pain in her eyes that he put me through that broke my heart and I realized with him because he does suffer from mental illness that it's not just him you know what I'm saying like he literally needs medication and i had to what's the word i had to um put him in mental care 
um, two times. And, you know, so he can get some help and treatment. And then he would leave. And he just left. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we're doing everything we can to help you. And I had to really say, like, I had to get to the point where I was okay with loving him from a distance. He even told me that. He was like, literally, in so many words, like, Selena, I know you love me and you're investing a lot in me, but I'm going to live my life. And I had to let him do that. So that, I would say, dealing with my father and just realizing that the only thing I could do is just pray for him. And I do that every single day. And I trust that God, that he's in God's hands. So I really had to do that because that's a that was a very heavy burden on me. Um, Because he lives like a reckless life. And, you know, he doesn't want to take help and medication. So that's mm-hmm. hard. That is a big lesson I learned as well. Um, and just And just also, like... Just dealing with the fact that I don't have everything I want. Like, you know, we all post stuff on Instagram. We put up the stuff that we want people to see. But, you know, I don't put up necessarily, like, my frustrations or what I'm crying about or, like, you know, what goals that I'm trying to reach and I have not even gotten there yet. So just, like, just managing stuff like that also, um... And just being mature about it has definitely taught me, like, a lot of lessons, like, dealing with those challenges. We all have that. We mm-hmm. all want to be further in life. No one is where they want to be. I mean, and if you think about it, like, three three biggest aspects of our life are, like, you know, your career, um, your personal life, and, like, your romantic life. And a lot of times, all three of those things... They never align. <laughs> your financial life. Like, a lot of, you know, this... It's really hard to put all three aligned. A lot of us are like, we'll be good in one space, and then the other two, we're struggling, right? And so. it affects the space that you're good in. <laughs> <laughs> right. You have to, like, that's a lot to really take in mentally, emotionally. And, you know, I, I found my safe space. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I will just meditate. I'll say a prayer. I'll breathe in. I'll breathe out. I'll try to talk to close friends and confidants in my life and realize like what I can't control, let go. It just is what it is. I just control what I can't control. Like for instance, I have my friends, uh, especially when we were in our twenties and I have my friends who were in their thirties and they will always say like, I need to be married. I need a man right now. And I'm just, I never really felt that sense of urgency, but I was just like, I can't control that. I cannot control meeting, like, the right person, you know? So I don't even take that on. Like, I don't, you know, if slash when it happens, you know, let God's will be done. But, like, I'm not sitting up here like, yo, I need a man right now. Like, I can't, especially when I didn't even have a stable job. I was like, look, I'm looking for a job. I can't look for a job and a man. That's just too much. Because looking for a job is hard. It's like looking for an apartment. Right. Exactly. So I can't control that. I'll put that in God's hands. It'll happen on his time, not mine. So <laughs> so what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I always say that I want to leave a legacy of change mm-hmm. that inspires other people to live up to their fullest potential. And to be the best that they can be. Not to compare and contrast because we all do that on Instagram and Facebook and social media. But figure out who you are, what your purpose is, and then live it. So before we go, you have to give us your Dear Black Girl open letter. Dear Black Girl, you are a woman of power. 
You are a woman of purpose. Trust and know that God created you for a reason and that he will never put more on you than you can bear. Dear black girl, know that you are strong, that you are brave, and that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be bold and still be gracious. It's okay to not know every answer, but to still be wise. And it's it's okay to not have everything you want right now in the moment, but just know that you are created for greatness and destiny. Sign, Selena Hill.